Hi, I'm Holly Cairns, a TD for Cork Southwest, and this is my podcast. So um, we've talked before about, um, you know, committees and votes and things, but I guess I don't know a lot about this. So I was wondering if you could talk us through basically the role of the Dáil and the Shannad in making and passing laws mm-hmm. and how that works. Yes. So I guess there's, it's established that they need a piece of legislation, that we need a new law. The department will draft a bill. They'll send it to the relevant committee for that department. And then the committee is made up of TDs? It's made up of TDs and senators cross-party. Okay. So there's always a majority of government. So when it comes to votes on particular amendments to legislation and stuff, they win. Um, but yeah, it's made up of everybody. And then... All those committees sit once a week and we have public sessions then to inform us of how we can improve the legislation. So you'd have um, experts, people with experience. Sometimes you'd, like um, the Disability Matters Committee before we had like um, uh, remote sessions with politicians in other countries to explain how they ratified the optional protocol, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then... The, that's pre-legislative scrutiny stage and we as a committee make a report to give to the minister on how the recommendations from our pre-leg then we go to second stage and that's when they've ignored the committee's report uh, we go in and make statements on it in the dome then it goes back in to the committee for committee stage um, where we put forward um, amendments the legislation and the minister comes in and rejects all of the amendments and then we go back into the doll again and we do exactly the same thing but in the doll and the minister rejects all of the amendments again then from there it goes to the shannon and sometimes that's when they'll kind of be like right we better make that little change there or whatever to try and get away you know whatever sometimes there's just something they have to address and they'll normally do that at shannon stage okay so does that make sense yeah, so the, but the minister rejecting the amendments, like mm. he's supposed to actually, the point of the committee is to do pre-legislative <laughs> scrutiny and to improve the law. Yes. But in your experience... I remember the happen. time, there was the time in the convention centre when like, one of the things, I've said it before, but that being inexperienced sometimes is an advantage. But when we started that stage, when you're debating the amendments in the dull, and I got to come in first and I yeah. said... Uh, before we kick off, I just want to clarify, will the minister be accepting any amendments today? And he was just like, no. And like, I guess he was just as inexperienced. He was a brand new TD as well. But like... They aren't supposed they, to admit it. But we do all just go in and pretend then that this is actually serving some sort of form of a purpose. Oh, debate this amendment, speak to the amendment, and the minister comes in and speaks about why he's not going to do it, but he was never going to. So they've already decided they're not going to accept them, and then they come up with the reasons why afterwards. That's the way that it works or rather doesn't work okay but in an ideal world the committee's work would have a purpose and they should because they're so they could be so effective with all of that like public kind of consultation that's done and that's done really well really effectively there's an amazing team behind every committee secretaries who organize all these different groups to come in um and oftentimes like legal experts will tell us how that could be addressed in the actual legislation like it's really good 
really informative and it would really strengthen legislation, make it better for everyone. It's the entire purpose. It just falls down at the last hurdle in that the government don't take on those recommendations. So it's like this really good process in place. It's actually relatively new, the pre-legislative scrutiny. I think it's only in the last dole term. Not not the last dole term, sorry, the last dole, the 32nd dole or whatever. Um, really good, really effective. And then just at the last hurdle when it's like, and now utilise all of that great information and the amendments that come out of it and the advice from the report, and they just routinely don't. And would government members of committees ever put forward amendments? No, not that I've ever seen. I suppose maybe, like, the, the, sometimes there'll be the minister, like, the government put forward an amendment at, you know, report stage or something. And normally they're, like, just improvements, could even just be grammatical things that they're kind of putting forward. And generally we all agree to them. I've never seen anything too sinister come in at that point, the odd time. But you wouldn't get the government TDs on the committee putting in amendments because then... They're going against themselves, like, if you're trying to change the legislation, you're supposed to be in agreement with the minister because you're part of that government. So in a way, like, not a great position to be in when you're on a committee mm-hmm. and you see all of the reasons for changing the legislation and then you kind of have to let on that you think it's perfect because okay. that's the position that you're in as a government TD. I see that. But be- they actually have access to those ministers too, so they could be trying to change it by... the going to the minister and speaking to them um that would be helpful okay <laughs> but it must be frustrating like for the people on the committee who are trying to put forward amendments doing all this research and then they just don't accept them so much research and richard put so much work into all the amendments um and yeah we spend so much time speaking to the amendments at all of those different stages <laughs> like so much time at the committee doing the the pre-leg and hearing from all the witnesses um so much time working on the report with the entire cross-party committee. So much time putting together amendments and debating them, you know, it, at committee in the committee, then in the Dole. And then, you know, we're always then at the end, like doing kind of statements on how disappointing it is that the legislation wasn't improved. It's kind of, that's the routine. Um, so it could be really good, but it's not. I see. Yeah. And I think it's frustrating, but it's even more so because like we're like, Holly's not bringing in amendments to, for the sake of them or to be obstructionist or anything. Like it's based on rationale. Mm. Like anything we do is based on a, a witness, be it a human rights expert, be it somebody who has had direct experience of an issue, has come in and said something, and they're the only amendments we put forward. Yeah. Based on what something. So anything we're putting forward, we can argue and we can point to what a witness has said. Mm-hmm. And then I suppose that we what I suppose that's you know, frustrating is almost the wrong word is because. Holly is trying as much as possible to do it on behalf of somebody else. And yes, it's frustrating in the room at the time, but even more so when you think is, no, this is this is somebody who doesn't have a voice in the process and has asked us to try and make this legislation better. Mm-hmm. And that you're you're and they recognise you for Holly for putting up a good fight and doing what needs to be done, but ultimately the minister isn't accepting it. And that's I suppose that's where it's frustrating in the moment, but then when you stop and think back on it, it's it's awful, particularly dealing with um some of the legislation we've had to deal with recently, like institutional burials bill assisted decision making because you can bill. see you can see at the moment oh, there's going to be problems go- down the road 100%. we could address it now yes we've done everyone's done the work everyone in the committee agrees that these are the issues that need to be addressed but they're just ignored exactly and it can feel really demotivating sometimes you think like what is the point of this but sometimes you have to kind of zoom out and realize that what well, the point is to try and 
change the government eventually. So you try and get small wins along the way. But ultimately, I feel like if we had a different style of governance, social democratic government, that's the aim. That's the bigger picture. So that kind of is the only thing to keep you going through the kind of lengthy, frustrating process. Yeah. Okay. The background noise is hey, hey, obviously. <laughs> As always. Claire's not grunting over there. And there was <laughs> I, the dis- assisted decision making bill. It's a really good example of really bad lawmaking. Yeah. Um, and and an example of something that is going on in Leinster House and like nobody would know a thing about it. It's one of those things you like that this is how these things just go through and there's no like when I say no red flags raised, we've raised a lot of red flags. Um did a lot of work with NUI Galway. Lots of really good experts in disability law there. And there was just where to even start with that legislation? Like It was rushed anyway, right? It yeah. Was- it was rushed and then they were like, we have to do it, we have to do it because the law case, the committee like rushed a report. We put in a load of amendments, they were all rejected. Um, and then they didn't actually get it through. So yeah, they made us rush it as if it absolutely had to be done. Before recess. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then. And then they didn't put it through. Yeah. So it was like, like. We've written the the Children's Committee, actually, I raised on the Children's Committee, and we've written to the Minister to explain to us why that's happened. We're waiting for a reply. Yeah. Uh, why did we rush it? You know, and uh, like also, we had other things scheduled in the Children's Committee that we had to then delay mm-hmm. because they were saying this is so urgent. Um, we have to rush it through. And then they didn't do it. And they sort of got away with murder in that sense because, yeah. like, the legislation's so flawed. So, like, somebody can still refuse you money in the bank because they think you don't have capacity. And so I suppose one benefit of rushing through legislation as well um, is that there isn't enough time to build a campaign around it. There isn't enough time for the media to pick up on. Yeah, there isn't even enough time to scrutinise it. Of everything we've dealt with, and we've dealt with (laughs) stuff, this is the one that just really, it really is just permeated, just really got got through. So... um, Piece of legislation, this is necessary, it's the Assisted Decision Making Amendment Act, okay. which makes things confusing enough. It's an amendment to or other existing acts or amending amendments of amendments. <laughs> anyway, we'll accept that. Um, but it deals with around, it's replacing what's called the wards of court system, okay. whereby that's the only, it's a very crude tool and it's a tool that's been deemed not compliant with human rights law for dealing with people who have reduced capacity due to age or disability so that they become a ward of court and then somebody administered that and that's something that people go through particularly as people might experience with older people in their families so that they're trying to replace it with a system and everybody accepts that but the problem is the way that they're going about doing it is completely contrary to what they're supposed to be doing so as a piece of legislation that affects people with disabilities it's supposed to be produced in conjunction with them okay and that did not happen at any stage and then also, like we, Holly was raised this point on the doll a few weeks ago, incredibly dense and complicated piece of legislation, not engaging with people with it. Um, the very least that you would expect is that there would be an easy to read version of that with that, so people can understand that, not produced and no way close to mm. it. But also on a Monday afternoon, we received amendments, very complex amendments to a very complex piece of legislation that would then have to be voted on yeah. on Wednesday. Wow. And we didn't have the capacity to fully understand yeah. what they were. Like, again, as Holly said, we were 
freely interacting with the people in the um, disability and um, law centre in NUIG who were helping us parse what these things meant. Yeah. Um, and so then... Like it's our job to do this. We found it we so found. hard. And then, yeah. And, yeah, and then the, the International Convention on the Rights of Human on, on People or Persons with and Disabilities is saying that they should be involved in the process. There was no, no space whatever for them to be involved in that. And the government are insisting they're doing things on behalf of people and that they're at no stage they're working with the people. Yeah. yeah. And then to just like cite one example in that legislation, there's like a healthcare directive, something that you might make, or you most frequently hear of them, for example, if somebody has the early signs of Alzheimer's, that you might make decisions then about your healthcare going forward once you have capacity. Yeah. Um, and so they happen and they're honoured. <laughs> but if you're detained under the Mental Health Act, according to this legislation, then your healthcare directive that you made when you had capacity is ignored. Oh. Can, can be. Can be. Yeah. Okay, it's left that. Wow. And that you, kind of thing yeah. is just, you know, just unbelievable. And that's just one part of that piece of legislation that was ridiculous and was rammed through under the guise of being absolutely necessary to rush this in and then just delayed it at the end. The other thing that we... Mm. Uh, <laughs> a point of tension mm. um, with... Um, the minister at the time was around what's called the functional test of capacity. Yeah, so an archaic kind of test um, that would have been used to somehow decipher if somebody had capacity or not and found to be really discriminatory, as in if you did the test on me and Richard did the test on me, you could have a different result, therefore not a good test. <laughs> oh, so the person administering it, there could be two different people administering it. Yeah. They found that there was often different results based on who did the test. So it's not a good test, no. you know, and it basically was found that it discriminated people with disabilities. Um, and in general comment, one of the UN Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities, it says that the test is discriminatory and shouldn't be used, basically, to paraphrase. <laughs> and we had an amendment in then to remove that from the legislation. And I direct quoted that comment from the UNCRPD and and I suppose what are you going to say to that he said I recognize your direct quote or acknowledge your direct quote or whatever but um you know recently the vice chair of the UN committee um was speaking in Edinburgh and said that the Irish legislation is fab I'm paraphrasing obviously but he was basically saying look the thing that Holly's referring to dates back more recently people really approve of this um, and he's like, I even said, I'd like to bring the doll's attention to this or whatever. So the point that he was making was that um, he'd kind of been endorsed, like their le- approach to the legislation had been given the kind of green light by this guy. Yeah. And so that you referring to the, the earlier point was kind of moot because this was the updated opinion yeah. of... Exactly. Yeah. It was almost like if you were kind of saying like, what was the exchange like? It was like saying, oh... You're trying to make this negative, but actually this is really good or whatever as in, because that would be the kind of the thing that like government people say anyway, like, oh, the opposition, they're always just, you know, mm-hmm. trying to make out that everything's terrible. What are they like? You know, so it's that kind of and like more importantly, the vice chair of the UN committee saying that our legislation is really great. Then all I could say at the time was, I bet if that vice chair was here, that they would support amendment number five, you know, because really a functional test of mental capacity, not OK you know, by any standards. Um, but what else could I say in that moment? I wasn't at that thing in Edinburgh that he was referencing. But then later, 
Jonas Ruskus came out and said, and he, he's got the wind. Vice he's the vice he's chair. chair. <laughs> he's like got wind that the minister in Ireland was referencing what I said in Edinburgh as kind of an endorsement of the legislation, not the case. And he wrote to the minister as well, outlining that he thinks the functional test of mental capacity is a breach of people's rights. Um, it's quite a strongly worded letter. Mm. And he put a tweet out about it as well, calling it out. Well, he would be annoyed if someone used yeah. your words to justify, you know, something that... Yeah. It's outrageous. Yeah. It's absolutely outrageous. And like, just because it was one of those bits of legislation that really, unless it directly affects you, why would you be tuning into it? We're all going about our lives. We're busy. But they just get away with these things sometimes. And it's so frustrating. You don't even have time, like you say, to build a campaign around it to let people know when they're rushing it through like that. It's really, you know, really damaging and will affect a lot of people for a long time to come. And what is your, what can you do now? Just try and get into government. Yeah. <laughs> try and get into government yeah, and change yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, in terms of the minister said this, like, is there any, oh, yeah. going to be any repercussions? Yeah, so... Uh, well, the Children's Committee, through that kind of avenue, I've gotten them to write to the Minister for an explanation as to why they rushed it so much and then didn't finish it in the end. What was the rush if they didn't have to rush it, basically? And we've asked the Minister to correct the dull record as well. Or sorry, we've asked the Kian Corla to ask the Minister to correct the dull record. Yeah. The Mental Health Commission, interestingly, were in the Disability Matters Committee recently. And they made the codes of practice for the Assisted Decision Making Capacity Act. And in making those codes of practice, they didn't consult, as far as we know, with DPOs, which is Disabled People's Organisations. So made up of people with disabilities. So Mm -hmm. that direct engagement is really important in terms of making legislation around it. And I had highlighted that in the Dáil. And it was in the Irish Examiner. And then when they were at the Disability Committee, I asked them why they didn't engage with DPOs in making the draft codes of practice. And your man was very defensive and he was like, that's incorrect. And like, you said that. And so you didn't say you, you said one person said that. It was kind of like this passive aggressive, it was me, but like, and it was, you know, printed in the examiner or whatever. And that's not true. And I was like, oh, well, I hope I'm wrong. Could you tell us who you did engage with? And you didn't say who they engaged with. And then I asked again, he said, well, I'll correspond directly with the committee and let you know. And I was like, great. You know, you'd like to be wrong about that. I would hope they did engage with DPOs. So in their letter, they said that they listed out some people that they engaged with, some DPOs they engaged with, but didn't say that it was specifically in relation to the codes of practice. So I guess we need to get clarity on that. And he said, more importantly, the vice chair of the UN committee, Jonas Ruskus, um, cited the Irish legislation as superb. So that was like, obviously the same person, like almost in the department, has given the script to Roderick and to the commission. Okay. Um, so they've got the same lines coming out, but like I'd just be interested <laughs> to let Jonas sure. know about that bit as well. So I suppose, again, it comes back to these things whereby the government are saying that they're doing something, that this legislation is necessary for Ireland to be compliant with the UN Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities. It is something that needs to be put in place before we adopt the optional protocol. That's untrue. Um, but in in trying to be compliant with the convention they are breaching the convention i see so the convention says you must work with yeah. people with disabilities they're not they're yeah. saying you should not have a functional test they're including a functional test okay and the problem is the, the irony is, of it yeah, like and this will all, and the, the, all this is is work that would have to be done on a later date 
Yes, they're just pushing it out. Yeah, and they're not they're not putting in change things. And then to the Holly's point there is like and then I suppose the the big question around all of this and the things that we're in, we're we're not going to be sure until we get there is what is the role of the civil service within this, and what pressures are ministers under. So yeah. like par- part of the thing around the functional test is like he literally said this a bit like well if we took out the functional test we'd have to change so much, and then is like well if it's wrong it's wrong yeah no matter how much work is involved. And that sounds like just from an institution <laughs> yeah. that's just resisting change, yeah. not doing something because Saying it's like right. we haven't, that's not in the yeah. schedule, so... Yeah, and <laughs> even that, that idea of consultations whereby like, so is it meaningful, is it meaningful to put something on your website saying, we have this out here, anybody can put in submissions? Is that meaningful consultation? Whereby you say, look, there was six weeks there, you did or you didn't do it. Because you didn't wander onto the department's website. Because you didn't wander onto the site or you weren't aware of it and you're a person, you're a parent of a child with disabilities who has no time to do anything because you can't get any services or something like that. You're a person with disabilities who doesn't have a a PA. You're an older person and who doesn't aware of it, mind of literacy skills. But like the the baseline of their understanding of consultation is they put out something and you may engage with them. Yeah. But you have to be looking out for it. Yeah. And know that it's there. So it's just ticking the box. Yeah. Which is not this like... The spirit no, no the spirit law. or technicality law and the other yeah. thing in the for the assisted decision making act this was I can look up the exact word in there for people but we but it, it arose at the at the pre-legislate stage that the department department's consultation for the legislation was based on the original act which was in 2015 and the actual consultation for that was years before with the change of government. So they were actually based on a public consultation that was over a decade old at this stage. <laughs> and the committee had to put in a recommendation saying that no legislation should be based on consultations that's over a decade, a decade old. old. And, and, and they were perfectly happy with, we talked to people. We've engaged. We We've did engaged. our bit. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess for people listening, like, how, how can we stop this from happening apart from like voting but I mean Mm. is it putting pressure on TDs like I know we do like weekly updates we try and keep people up to date date on what's happening at all these committee stages because they don't get press coverage generally Um, but yeah what would you recommend that people do I suppose it's a tricky one because really people should be able to expect better and to not have to like keep a watchful eye on what's going on at the children's committee on a Wednesday you know it's not people's job Um, like I suppose when there's one of the things that people would do when there's an issue, if it's something that you care about and you're engaged in it anyway, you're following it, to get on to your TDs, to send emails, to share stuff on social media, all of that stuff. And like, for example, just on the disability related issues, we had a Social Democrats motion recently on the cost of disability. And that was really a bid to kind of put pressure on the government in advance of making all the budgetary decisions now of a recess to put that at the forefront of their mind, because obviously the cost of living crisis felt by everybody, but mostly felt by people who are already under pressure and people with disabilities are far more at risk of poverty in Ireland, have desperate rates of employment compared to the rest of Europe. Like, we're brutal. So we really want to get into the forefront of the government's mind. This has to be prioritised, cost of disability payment. Um, And then when it's coming closer, I guess if they feel that's what the public want... (laughs) they're more likely to do it because really their focus is the next election. We know the short-termism. We see it in their climate policies and everything. They're not thinking about the next generation. They're thinking about the next election. So if they think that you listeners really want this, they're more likely to do it. 
Um, so we are trying to create a little campaign around that. And um, some people might remember we did the Mormon All Badges. So we're going to do um, a cost of disability, or the budget badge, I'm going to call it. Um, but a, a term used frequently in within DPOs and advocacy groups and everything has always been nothing about us without us with regard to like legislation around disability and that speaks to what Richard was saying around the need to engage with people with disabilities and making legislation for that mm -hmm. or whatever. But when I was at the the UN convention, there was one woman speaking, an Australian woman, who was saying like, ultimately, we say nothing about us without us, like maybe it should just be nothing without us. Like what department, what government policy doesn't affect people with disabilities, you know? Um, so we have our new badge coming out, which is just nothing without us. And really, it's kind of to try and encourage a campaign of sorts to put pressure on the government to not just in this budget, I suppose, but particularly in this budget to um, acknowledge the added cost of disabilities. OK. And so I guess, yeah, the point is that I'm just thinking about the change in the slogan. So it mm. used to be nothing about us without us and now it's like actually nothing nothing without us nothing without us because every department every piece of legislation yeah. needs to take into account people with disabilities yeah no budget no nothing <laughs> yeah and that's actually back to the point of the convention because yeah. the convention says that people with disabilities and or their parents if they're children that they should be involved in the formation of any legislation or policy that affects them and so we've been talking about this specifically about something but that's everything. Mm -hmm. And the Department of Enterprise definitely doesn't do that outside of this, you know, the Department of Education, whatever. They, they don't, outside of their general, we have a consultation on this website, yeah. you know, and... We can't even get the Housing Minister into the Disability Committee, like... Okay, and so the point of, of bringing the Housing Minister in was to be like, the, the Department of Housing has to take people with disabilities into account when they write all of their policies. Yeah. Instead of thinking of it as a, a total separate... Discipline or separate. Exactly, kind of siloed. Because, mm. like, yeah, even it was like when we first went onto the Disability Committee and had seen one of the things I remember saying is like, you know, because the purpose of this particular committee is around the implementation of the UN Convention. And to give one example, under the UN Convention, you have the right to live independently. So, like, that's great. We've got a committee now to oversee this. But what can the committee do about people living independently if those houses aren't being built that are, you know, purpose made as well like and accessible and if there's no independent supported living then people can't live independently <laughs> you know to a certain extent so it's like what's the point of this committee unless we're going to have the housing minister in or whatever mm -hmm. just to take one of the rights under the convention and yeah you just send in the junior minister every time we won't come in will not come into the committee and yeah some ministers have more recently but it's been really difficult and like I guess that's a really good example of it like we need education we need housing we need every single department and i guess that's the point of the badge that he, like it's like nothing about us without us but like ultimately nothing without us every, you know every single department every legislation every budget so what can people do they can get behind campaigns like that <laughs> yeah and try and pressure on email their tds email the relevant ministers all of that stuff makes a difference talking about it on social media I don't think we realise how powerful social media mm -hmm. is and all this mm -hmm. amplifying those things on social media makes a huge difference they're after votes yeah yeah people have the power 
Well, and also, I suppose we should say as well to people, like, we we didn't do the podcast for ages, we were too busy, basically. We were yeah. doing weekly updates every week as well, and that's born out of, on the doors, when we first started out in politics and we were out canvassing and everything, we'd often hear from people, I just don't even know what my public representatives do with their time. What do, they, what do they do? What are they at? Like, there's a real... Yeah. So we wanted to be really open and transparent about how we use our time, what we do, all of that stuff. And they and used to also say, we only see politicians when it's election time, so... Which is why we do a canvas every month. Well, yes. And also, you know, we can't get to every house in the constituency every week, but we can put up updates on social media. Exactly. And then I suppose the podcast is another way of explaining as well, like... um, And... I'm so worried that I'm becoming institutionalised but like I think when I went on the council and doing the podcast of Inside the Chamber and explaining the inner workings and stuff and it was all a bit more blatant in there anyway it's a different story but people appreciated that kind of transparency about it and I guess that's what our weekly update's about we try and be as open as possible and everything so if there's particular things you want us to cover on the podcast please let us know mm-hmm because we're not doing this for the crack. We're doing it to inform people um, about whatever they want to know from their public representatives, because ultimately that is part of the role as we see it. And, you know, we don't know if we're covering exactly what you want to hear about, so please let us know. Yeah, or if there's people that you think would be interesting to feature on the podcast. Yeah, we're going to get Kian on. We were talking about it earlier when we weren't recording. Kian O'Callaghan, our housing spokesperson, um, he might be our first special guest. He'd be very excited. <laughs> Wait till we tell him. <laughs> Please follow me on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. The music theme is Safety Net by Riot, taken from the YouTube audio library.